You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Libertarian Country is one of the fastest growing and most popular liberty-themed apparel companies in the world. This American-based company was founded by two brothers out of Baltimore who had a vision to create an online store that offers fun, unique, and controversial political clothing and accessories. This five-star company offers the hottest shirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So check them out today. This is an independently-owned, liberty-loving business that basically gives you the exact type of apparel and paraphernalia that you've wanted anyway. You just didn't know you wanted it now. Every purchase you make using the link in the show notes allows a small part of your purchase to come back and support the show. So go on, go grab some awesome libertarian country swag using that link in the show notes. You'll thank me later. Real fast, let me go ahead and tell you about Inbox Dollars. Are you looking for a side hustle so easy you could do it while sitting on the toilet or in between commercials watching your favorite show? Unless you're like on demand and commercials are like an ancient thing to you. Hear me out. Inbox Dollars has your back. For 20 years, Inbox Dollars has paid over $59 million in cash rewards to its members for doing everyday online activities such as reading emails, taking online surveys, playing games, and watching videos and TV. They also have ongoing promos and contests for members to win money online, and they share the top ways for people to get beauty samples, free printable coupons, and other free online stuff. With so many easy ways to earn extra cash online and having fun in the process, it's no wonder Forbes, Mashable, Bustle, and so many other trusted outlets name Inbox Dollars the easiest and fastest way to earn money online. If you're looking for a way to influence future products and services while getting paid at the same time, then Inbox Dollars is for you. Click the special link in the show notes of this episode today and get $5 just for signing up. Get this $5 signing bonus just for creating an account. That's Inbox Dollars. The link is in the show notes of today's episode. Get it, get your $5, and get started. yourself you're on the run with remzo w martinez all right everyone let's go ahead and address the 900 pound elephant in the room chris the last time i had you on we were literally wondering what was the world going to look like for the rest of 2020 and then a day after your episode air riots broke out murder hornets apparently people weren't freaking out about toilet paper and um you know, things seem to have been getting a lot stranger. So I'm only wondering what's going to happen after this episode comes out. I'm thinking potential alien invasion, the rise of Godzilla. Uh, you know, New York is starting to remind me more of uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. I've been watching Thunderdome lately, not as entertainment, but as preparation. I don't know, maybe a little Red Dawn scenario. How, how, how are things looking in your, your scope of the world right now? Things are not looking good. Not at all. <laughs> I, I, I'm real, man. Oh, my gosh. This is, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's funny in a way because we, folks, so to kind of give you a little bit of a look behind the curtains, so to speak, to really see the, the way the Wizard, the Wizard of Oz actually functions, uh, we record these all in advance 
because we try and make every every episode more topical based. By the time you're hearing this, it's a bit more timely. This will be coming out a few days after I record this because of the topics we'll be discussing. But uh, really, when I when I put these out, I'm really like putting them at the mercy of the universe that I won't have to like completely scrap an episode or something. And so far, I've never had to do it. But um, you know, I just remember the you were on like three, four months back and we were talking about, you know, some, some very nuanced things. This was at the very beginning of the quarantine. We were talking about uh, the, the shape of the real life superhero movement and so much has happened since. And it was almost funny in an ironic way and almost a dark humor way because of how things have gotten. And I want to say they're calming down, but um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been rather strange. And I mean, I, I feel bad as an outsider looking in right now because you're you're in New York as as listeners know and uh, it, it seems like you know in in my neck of the woods here in Virginia rats have DC things have gotten better I mean things weren't necessarily terrible but things have gotten a little bit more normal I mean movie theaters are gonna start opening up soon but it seems that for the citizens of New York you guys just can't catch a break no it it is it's awful like I, I don't know like you you go out in the city on a Saturday night and past 10 o'clock, you can't, you can't eat out anymore. Um, right. It, could you imagine ever a day, the city that never sleeps shuts down at 10 PM pretty much. Like, like how long has that been going on for? Uh, it's been going on for a bit. Um, it, it's weird, man. Is it just because of COVID? Yeah. It's, it's all COVID man. They, they've literally destroyed the entire city. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to be like super real with this. This city, it, it's gone. We've got, it's gone backwards. Uh, it's going to be on par as of right now. I'm going to say the uh, murder is going to at least double what it was last year. Um, shootings is, is going to definitely more than double than last year. Um, you know, you walk around the streets, it, it's empty. New York city's empty. Used to, I'm used to New York city being packed. Um, I don't mind a little more room. That's kind of nice. But, but when, like it's it's ghost town you know and it, it's barely anyone out uh the i feel like a majority of people out in new york city are homeless drug addicts drug dealers and emotionally disturbed people that's the stuff going on it's nice yeah i don't really know what to add to that other than are, are you thinking about leaving or what, 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 what do you do when you're in that well, situation? I'm, because I always think like, you know, if I had, what, what are the situations that would make me have to leave where I am? And I mean, I, one, I'm not a city person one, because I saw the, the cost of a one bedroom flat in New York. And I thought, Oh my God, I could buy a house in Indiana for that money. But like, you know, the, the conditions I've been seeing, I, I know quite a fit of people that live in Manhattan and Queens. And I mean, a lot of them moved to uh, North and South Carolina. A couple went down to Florida, a few moved here to Virginia. And when they're saying that Northern Virginia and DC is better than New York cost wise and safety wise, everything else, I'm just wondering, like, it must be seriously freaking bad. But what, what, what are, what, what's going on in your world right now when you look at these conditions? Because I, I, I can only imagine, you know, you, you have to have wondered when, when is the breaking point when I just have to, you know, cut rope and keep going. I, I'm gone. I'm in New Jersey now. Oh, I, shit. I, I, well, I, you I already out. did that. Yeah, I still <laughs> work in the city every day, though. So I'm in the city every day. I do, I do go there different times. Is Jersey that remarkably 
more more convenient it's uh you know, for, for me personally, it works out because my wife's from New Jersey, her family's here, I have a kid. So, you know, it makes just life a little easier. But I can see that. But it, it is, is what a difference from New York, of course. Um, but, you know, I, just, I have to keep going on about like what's happened in New York because it's insane. And people wouldn't believe it unless they actually saw it. Now, I'm, I'm talking just walking around in one night. Uh, you would go out, you'd walk you know, just a couple blocks, you're going to see anywhere from 10 to 15 drug dealers just out openly dealing drugs. Um, you know, I, I was witnessing a bunch of drug deals just happen right out in the open, you know, uh, junkies walking around with track marks all over them. Um, I, I had a, in the middle of uh, 34th street, right out in the open, I see a guy getting his needle ready. I, I walk over. I'm like, yo, dude, what are you doing right now? And he wasn't aggressive or anything. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you can't do that. You're out in the open. There's people around here. You know, uh, I'm, I'm walking around. There's people smoking K2 in the streets. You know, I got a guy with his pants down to the floor in a drug daze, standing up and doing that, you know, the, the little zombie, uh, standing and unconscious thing like this, this is like regular. This is normal. I, I walked across a guy smoking a crack pipe, in the middle of the street. Like, like this is, this is New York right now. It, it, it's just, I mean, he, hearing, he, hearing you say that it, I, I can't tell whether I should just like not be surprised or still be surprised because everything that the media is showing us is showing us really one of two worlds. Either it's de Blasio's New York and everything is freaking fine or it's Cuomo's New York and everything is on fire, but it's manageable. And then, you know, you go online and I, I mean, the last time I watched any videos of stuff going on in the streets of New York, it was during the, the riots that broke out and nothing says, uh, you know, fighting for the equality of the lives of black Americans, like destroying a Rolex store and stealing iPhones. And that's going on. And a few blocks away, you have NYPD literally hassling people because they're not wearing their masks and social distancing. It's like, you know, watching it from an outsider looking in, it's like bizarro world. Yeah, I think that the we're at a point well past the uh, protesting and, and rioting stuff. This is just the new this is new New York. Um, it, it has nothing to do with the protests, the riots anymore. This is just the state of New York. Um, and it's weird, man. And, and I feel very different ways about it because I feel like, honestly, it's in part the people's fault. It's in part the police's fault and it's in part the government's fault. Um, and I could go on about how I, I absolutely hate this government, especially in New York. Like they've literally destroyed this entire city. Um, you got this this governor who is saying we're not getting enough federal aid, so we may have to raise the uh, MTA or raise your transit fares. And it's just like, dude, you shut down the entire city and you're not making money. One, because you don't have any tourists here. You don't have any business. You know how many businesses are going out? You walk well, around the city. It like at least oh, five a day. It's insane. Uh, I just I, I don't know how anybody's making a living. Um, you know, imagine having a business and going six months without being able to operate <laughs> or like you're, you're a restaurant and now you, you have to do outside and you only have outside seating for like four tables, you know, and there's many of them who can't have outside seating. And it's just like, like, w- like, what do these people do anymore? 
I, I don't know. And it's only going to get worse because all these businesses are shutting down. All these people are going to be in major debt. You already got the streets filled with drug dealers, uh, you know, people uh, shooting up heroin, people smoking crack out in the open. Like this, this isn't the 80s anymore. This is what's happening. And, and I don't know how it's not like on the news regularly. I don't know how this is not being talked about, but this is the state of New York and it's looking real freaking bad. Everybody's moving out. I mean, what are they, what, what are, what are like they telling you? Like, what does a better day look like? Because I mean, we're, we're in like month six of the 15 days that was meant to flatten the curve. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where it's like, everything is, everything is strange, but at least for me and my little space of America, at least things are relatively safe. I can't imagine the people that are still in the city who really don't have the opportunity to leave, whether it's because of family, whether it's because of work, whether it's because of any of the myriad of situations I can imagine. It it is one of these situations where we're going to look back not even a long time from now. We're, we're going to look back relatively soon once things start to peak because I think things will become better one day. It's only a matter of when that one day is. It's it's really relative. But we're, we're going to look at the situation. We're going to say, was this really worth the, the cost of what ended up ensuing? Because it used to be at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, it used to be we just need to go ahead and flatten the curve. Now it's no one is allowed to get sick anymore. Then it was you can't go to funerals. You can't do anything else unless you're a politician. You can't go hang out with your friends unless you're protesting. Um, you know, if you if you don't wear a mask in certain parts of the country, if you go to the gym, it's a crime. But if you're if you're looting a store that that's perfectly acceptable. It's at the point where, you know, we look at these big American cities and it used to be, you know, when, when you look at the big schism between Americans, I, I genuinely don't believe it's a race thing. I always think it came down to an income inequality thing. And what you have is you have coastal elitism from the West Coast and the East Coast. Then when you really break it down, it's like, you know, people that live in the city versus people that like live in the Midwest, live out in the suburbs in the country. Now it's at the point where it's like, do you have the ability to leave where you are when times get tough. And I mean, I feel for people in Chicago right now, Chicago, I think, I I think you guys are just barely edging them out right now in terms of like the murder capital of the United States. But I mean, I'm seeing reporters interview people in Chicago and people doing that over in Detroit. And they're asking them like, are you thinking about leaving or can you leave? And they're like, I can't leave my, my family's here. I can't leave. I don't have the money to just pick up and go. Well, what do I do? nobody's hiring. There's nothing else to do. Well, I'm just going to do drive Uber all day. And I think that's where things are coming. It's like, we, we used to take such, such parts of life for granted. And now we're just asking ourselves, do I have the ability to escape obvious danger to myself and my long-term well-being, or don't I? And that's a really scary thing to ask. That's something that we only think of when we're thinking of, you know, situations in foreign countries during like civil wars and stuff like that. Now we're, now we're looking at our own country. And I mean, you know, New York is, is only like a three, four hours drive from Virginia. And now it feels like everyone is having to, you know, feel it in a way where the whole country is feeling the discomfort of the city and the state. 
Well, well, if you were to drive here, you might got uh, get pulled over and be forced to fill out a form and quarantine for two weeks, or face a ten thousand dollar fine. Who the, who the uh, fuck enforces that? That uh, that that comes from our governor, a wonderful governor. Um, and they have uh, not the NYPD. I, I don't think would uh, enforce that. I think they were using sheriffs or something. Um, but but yet, yeah, no, that's that's what's going on in New York. Like you you cannot come into New York if you're from. I think it was it, it was a very long list of of different states that didn't allow that many to come in. It was like you had to have a certain amount of COVID rate or whatever. And yeah, they they've been pulling over cars and with uh, plates from different states and uh, questioning people. It <laughs> what 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 are they saying things are going to look like? What what does a good outcome look like according to the government of New York? I, I don't know anymore. That's the thing. It just. It doesn't make sense. I just don't get what they're, they're trying to do anymore. It's, it's where, yes, you understand. Cause yes, you know, Oh, if you protect everybody a little bit, you could save a couple lives. Yes. But, but they're literally decimating the entire city. And I'm not saying anybody's lives aren't worth it or like, but you just can't stop everything and, and you can't save everybody from everything. It's like, it's, it's like, like, we're literally trying to stop death. And that's just like pe- people are going to die. It's not that we want them to. It's just that that's just something we literally cannot control. It's like, uh, you know, you, you want to stop drunk driving. So, all right, we don't want anybody to die from drunk driving anymore. We're just we're just going to ban alcohol. That worked you know out what well. Like it, 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 <laughs> but, you know, you know, it, we, we've tried that already and, and it, it doesn't work out. And, and this is the problem we're facing right now, too. It's the same idea. It's just, you know, yeah, we want to save lives. Okay, but but how much worse are you making everything else by trying to save a couple lives? Like, I, it's it's a weird thing, man. I just feel weird on so many levels. Of course, I think the government is absolutely awful. Um, that's typically my feeling on government. But um, the, New York is, is atrocious. I, I think what they're doing is going to destroy a lot more lives and create a lot more desperate people. Um, we're already seeing the, just just in murder, we're losing lives um, because of everything that's going on. Wait, and do those me, count as murders or do they count as COVID deaths? Oh, because no one really dies from anything anymore except COVID. Well, if they test positive for COVID, it, it, they'll just they'll just throw it in with a number. You know that problem. you know that George Floyd was a COVID death. Oh God! Legally, legal? No, I'm dead. I'm dead. Fucking Are you serious? George Floyd was legally a COVID death as the morticians were, you know, doing whatever they do to bodies afterwards. They found that George Floyd, uh, they, I don't think they were specific. He was either positive at the time or at least tested positive for COVID antibodies. So according to the CDC, he would be classified as a COVID death. So the cop didn't kill him? Like, COVID. I don't understand. Well, like, you know, it, it's like COVID killed him and the universe was using the cop in the way. So basically nature and COVID is racist and all this other stuff. Dude, it's, that's so weird. I, I, I want to make light of it. Like it's, it's a, it's a fucked up. I know. Story. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, um, as, as we're looking at this whole situation, because the, the, the pandemics and the rioting and the protests and everything else, like the timing of it is just bad. I think people who otherwise wouldn't have resorted to doing crazy illegal shit felt like they were prompted to do so because of just collective mania. So when I tell people, it's like, well, you know, did the cop kill him or did COVID kill him? It's like, you know, everything, everything always goes back to either COVID 
or the, the social issues we're seeing within our country right now. And when they figure out that, wait a second, George Floyd is technically a COVID death. It's like, that, that makes them question everything. But these are the same people that didn't want to question it. It's like, stay, stay home, wear a mask, stay away from people, except if you're going to a, a rally or a protest, yeah. because then, then by the laws of nature, you can't catch COVID. Um, and, and I mean, I, I don't want to get political. This isn't a political thing. This is just a, this is a life thing right. at this point. As somebody that's been a, a social activist for as long as you have, I mean, you've been in New York for God knows how long. Uh, what, what, what do you see as the only way to clean things up? Because I'm hearing people say we need like another Rudy Giuliani as mayor to go ahead and clean up the city, thus inspire the state and the country. I'm hearing people say they want Trump to go ahead and send in the National Guard and clean up the streets like it's something out of freaking uh, the Dark Knight Rises. I mean, there seem to be like no good options because we're also asking the same people who made most of the problems to also fix the problems. So it's like a self-licking ice cream cone. The thing just never melts. Well, first off, the government doesn't care. Like, like we, we have to like just be real honest about it. they don't care. Um, if yeah. they cared, they, they would be working with these businesses. They'd be trying to get people back in the city. Uh, they would they would be and, and as much as I hate government personally, um, you know, they, they would be helping enforce safety measurements. And th- that would be to like the common sense thing to do. It's like, all right, let's figure this out. Let's come to a common ground. Like, yes, we need to protect the, the most vulnerable people who would die from this or get severely sick from this. Like, let's focus our energy on helping them. Well, in New York, in fact, they, they murdered them, essentially, by, by the way they treated uh, the seniors and the senior care facilities. Um, but we need to take care of them, the, the older population. We need to enforce certain measures and businesses that will help keep everybody safe. Um, it, it, it's, it's stuff like that that needed to happen. Yes, we want people to come to New York because New York makes this money from tourists, from people visiting, from people spending money in all these businesses. And, and, and all these business owners aren't like ultra rich, you know, people. They're people trying to make a living. Um, and, and their lives are being ruined and destroyed right now. Um, nothing good is happening. So, so you have to figure out how to actually open the city again. Um, you get into a much larger conversation when it comes to the police now i don't think the police are doing anything i mean what yeah i mean i i'm not i'm not usually a big fan of you know just provide blanket apologies and praise for the police but you know i i am like okay i've I've got friends that are like end qualified immunity and it's like okay so let's look at what happened when they did that in baltimore yeah and qualified immunity now cops are just ignoring calls it's like earlier they may have had maybe the inclination not to respond, but at the end of the day, they responded. Now you go ahead and you, you go ahead and, and qualified immunity. And now the cops have really no incentive to go there because they don't want to be sued for something. So part of me understands that. Uh, I'm also not yes. a big fan of police unions. I don't, I, and it's not because I have anything specifically against police unions. I don't like unions in general in most areas, primarily public sector unions. I think that private sector unions, as long as you consent to being part of them, they're fine. But like teachers unions, uh, federal employee unions, the, the fact that the TSA has a freaking union bothers the living shit out of me. They're, they're like uh, pe- people tell me, how, how often has the, C- has the TSA ever caught a terrorist? In the in the 19 years since they've been around, yeah, quiet chirping, uh, but you know it's like the, if, if the cops really didn't want to have to respond to things, now we're creating an environment where it's like, are we surprised when they don't? Yes, it's 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 an odd thing 
Um, well, I guess you got to take this back a little bit. It started with the bail reform. Um, and now there, there's many violent uh, criminals that that are not having to go to jail. They're just like, all right, wait your trial. Like, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Like, it, it's the bail reform is has been letting violent and, and bad criminals just roam the streets, you know, awaiting trial. So, so that was a big thing in actually starting this problem. And this is before COVID, this happened. Um, and it's still happening and it's still, you know, we're seeing people get let out on bail and then going out and committing more crime or murdering someone. Um, they're letting people out of jails due to the virus. <laughs> Why don't they just make them wear a mask? I don't know. I, I mean, um, it's like c- c- we're, we're sending we're sending business owners to jail for for like opening up their businesses, but we're letting these people out. It's like if yeah. all they had to do was socially distance, wear a mask, and throw on some hand sanitizer. Uh, there's a story where where uh, I think it was like a rapist. Somebody was like accused of rape or something. Do you know? Uh, oh, that that was in that was in my my freaking town next door, uh, Arlington. It was in Arlington, Virginia. This dude who had been like uh, put in jail for years for like rape and assault, and he had a long track record. He got out, and then he he went to the I guess it was his ex girlfriend's house or something, and he and he murdered her. And I don't know if he killed himself or what, but it's like that. That's just one example. There was a case of a dude who who had murdered multiple people in Florida, and what did he do? I think they said thirteen hours, literally within thirteen hours, not even a full day. He went and he killed another person and was caught. I think he turned himself into the police station. I might be wrong about that part, but it's like this is one of those situations where it's like we're, we're going to solve the problem by making the problem worse. They and did. we're seeing this everywhere. We're seeing this regardless of whether it's a Republican state or a Democrat state, whether it's the federal government or the state government or the local government. What we're seeing is when people have to go ahead and apply blanket solutions and they're worried more about social experimentation versus actually the well-being of law-abiding Americans, I mean, it's one of these situations where part part of me is happy that, you know, even middle-class suburban Americans are starting to understand, like, the cops have no obligation to save you. They only have an obligation to show up when you're dead. And I'm not saying that as a slight against the police, but when we really look at it, it's like these people, they, they can only do so much and when we keep asking them to solve it, it's only going to make the problem worse. That's why, you know, I, I feel bad for Trump to a large degree. I, I would have felt bad for anybody who was in that situation. We're having yeah. you know, a, a, a country of hundreds of millions of people all looking for one person for the answer. And it's like, I know we, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be trying to figure that out ourselves. And I mean, we're, we're seeing we are seeing some stories of, you know, good regular people trying to really step up for their communities and really try and bring attention to things that otherwise would have just completely gone wayside, whether it's cafeteria workers packing school lunches for and delivering it to the homes of kids who now they, they can't go to school. Therefore they're not getting their, their guaranteed lunch. Uh, whether it's, you know, people checking up on the elderly through hotline systems or just going and, you know, checking on them, social distancing, obviously, but it's like, you know, little things like that where we're seeing, you know, we, we have more control over our immediate surroundings. We, 
than we usually give ourselves credit for. And not to change topics entirely, but uh, you, you've got an event coming up this weekend. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about that, because if you weren't talking about this, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I think I can be honest, I wouldn't have definitely been thinking of this topic otherwise. Everything else is just COVID and riots. Well, yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that kind of came out of this is, is uh, this, this movement uh, to bring awareness to child trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, you know, to, to sex offenders, um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a cool thing. And I saw it and I was like, wow, man, like, you know, and who doesn't hate human trafficking, child trafficking, people who go after children, pedophiles, like th- th- those have to be all like the most hated you know, people slash things. No, well, well, I mean, you know, in academia, you know, pedophilia is no longer something that should be, uh, you know, ostracized. It's just a different state of mental being. That would be uh, academia for you. Uh, <laughs> you speak to anybody. <laughs> you speak to anybody. I don't. I don't care if they 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 identify as a liberal, uh, as a conservative. Um, anybody who's a normal human being, regardless of their political affiliation will tell you that 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 is wrong that pedophiles are evil awful people um, 10 years ago if you had told oh. if you had told anybody like five strangers off the street that there would be a whole movement in a in a mayor in a you know the upper echelons of society where we're paying people hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach our young people that pedophilia is something that you shouldn't you know point out as being a remotely negative thing you would have thought that they were they were talking about a freaking bad movie yeah, I and I do. Uh, part of my work is confronting pedophiles and and calling them out and exposing them online. Like I have fake profiles, as like you know, posing as little girls or boys. And man, I, I've seen your screenshots. That shit's hardcore. Yeah, man. Like you know, I met up with a guy and I you know confronted him. He thought he was meeting a thirteen-year-old girl, um, but it was me popping up. Uh, so. uh, okay, okay. <laughs> you got to start from the beginning on that one. You, you got you got to really lay that one out. What happened? Um, so, you know, I do, you know, I have the, the fake profiles online, you know, posing as, as young children and, um, these people friend the profile or they message the profile and they start striking up a conversation and talking. And I'm like, you know, I post the conversations too. Uh, so people can see like what kind of sick dirt bags they are like, and, you know, I make it very clear, like, you know, hi, you know, like I'm only 13 years old or I'm only 12 years old. And you have 25, 35, 45, 50 year old, you know, you know, people messaging these young children, trying to talk to them and talk about sex and trying to meet up with them. And, uh, you know, this one particular one, I think they were like 27 or something uh, talking to, I think, a 13 year old, they thought, uh, which was me. And they wanted to, uh, you know, get together, you know, of course, paying all the compliments, this, that you know, I want to get to know you, you know, and I always add in there, like, you know, even though I'm only 13 years old, it's like, oh, age is just a number or, oh, we're just friends. Uh, this is the sick stuff that's always said to, to minors. Um, and this is like Chris, this is like freaking Chris Hansen meets Batman. Um, yeah, (laughs) you know, I do it. A, A lot of other people do this too, which is cool to see. Um, and yeah, you know, the guy thinks he's meeting a 13 year old girl and he's going to get pizza and then she's going to come back to his place. But instead, it's me rolling up and with my uh, angry New York accent yelling at him. Um, so, um, but, you know, that's some of the stuff I do. And when you get a little more into it, there's a really big community online of all these people, you know, exposing pedophiles and like reporting like 
you know, like child porn accounts. And man, if you get deep in this stuff, man, you're going to get sick. How many uh, pedophiles there are, how many people peddling child porn, like it's, it's insane. Um, but there's a movement and and I think the movement's beyond just kind of like some online people, um, that that's kind of spreading across the country, uh, you know, and it's, it, it, they call it different things. It's a, it's another weird, bizarre community in itself, but it's a save the children or save our children. Or, you know, some people are called the hundred city March, uh, where everybody in all different cities, I think they're past a hundred cities at this point where this is going to happen August 22nd. Um, that uh, we're going to go out as a group and we're going to be doing a march wherever you are. Everybody's going to have their signs. Uh, We're going to be taking a stand against child trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, pedophilia, things like that. And we're going to be bringing these issues to light. And it's just going to be massive amounts of people getting together to take a stand against that and raise awareness that all these things are happening and going on because this is destroying people's lives. Um, you know, you know, how many children go missing every year? How many children wind up, you know, being a sex slave, you know, go on Netflix, watch the Jeffrey Epstein documentary and see what was happening to these young kids. Um, And let let, let me, okay, I'm not going to get into the conspiracy train, but let me say this. When both left America and right America looked at Jeffrey Epstein after he killed himself and they all started accusing other people of killing him, but the overall consensus was Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. I genuinely thought for like a flicker in history that America could finally find common ground on something again. Yeah. And unfortunately I I don't think it worked out that way. Um, Well, no COVID COVID ultimately killed no pun intended COVID killed any Jeffrey Epstein momentum. Yeah. Because it's uh, like that. Just It just really kind of sprung a life of its own. Then when this whole thing happened, I mean, yeah, we, uh, the FBI caught Ghislaine Maxwell and she was held in the freaking same same cell that or like the same cell block that uh, Epstein was was uh, kept in. And everyone was like, well, it's, it's only a matter of time till she, quote unquote, kills herself. But it's uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we really began to switch almost without second hesitation for focusing on something that was going to expose a lot of people. And my, my thing was, let, let, let the let the Jenga tower fall. Like if you've got to take down oh, one please. piece and a bunch of pe- pieces to have that whole thing fall down, I don't care. People I like, people I don't like, Democrats, Republicans, take out everyone. poor people, like if they were involved in that, they need to go. That's yeah. why like when Tom Hanks got freaking Greek citizenship as soon as all those other records from Glenn Maxwell <laughs> came out and Chrissy Teigen is deleting her stuff. I'm like, you're telling me that John Legend's wife and Woody from Toy Story have something connected to Jeffrey Epstein. All, all that sentiment just went out the window. I'm like, <laughs> okay, no, now they're on, they're on America's shit list now. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, like weird- Bill, it's like Bill Cosby. It's it's like you know, growing up, I freaking love Bill Cosby. I love little Bill. Yeah. Now everyone looks at Bill Cosby and they're like, "Fuck that guy." Yeah, it's weird, man. Everything's political. Um, unfortunately, a, a virus that's you know wreaking havoc on the nation right now is a political thing. Um, even even this like save the children thing, it, it becomes political as well. And I just I don't know how people can't just unite behind a good cause. Everybody's got to bring their politics into it. You know, um, 
the, the, this unfortunately ties into some of like the super right wing conspiracy theorists. Um, are kind of very on board with this and it's, it's they, they get real deep and like weird stuff and you know then you get the weird people going like look at this t-shirt it has a pizza slice on it they're selling pedophilia it's like uh, i don't oh I don't, the, the whole the whole pizzagate thing when when that happened i felt like it it basically brought down a lot of progress that a lot of these anti-sex trafficking groups have, have actually made it brought back that whole movement like years because it all became less on, you know, finding organized crime, really helping these people, looking for the actual methods of which this stuff happens. And it, it turned into something completely ridiculous. And, and it, it, like I said, everything is political. You know, you got I know, you, listen, everybody's going to have different politics, but everybody needs to be united on a cause that's very tangible and understandable. And it's just, you know, you got the, the right wing fighting with the left wing and then you got the, the, the super conspiracy theorists. And then I got the you got the people who are like, what about the kids in cages at ICE? You don't care about those kids? It's like no one ever said we don't care about those kids. We're raising awareness about, you know, trafficking and pedophilia. And I, I feel like people that try, I feel like people that try and do that, though, are just trying to water down the conversation so that way they could brush off any any form of obligation or responsibility they have. It's like saying because we can't cover all this stuff, we should cover none of this stuff. And I, and I usually see that as a cop out. I've uh, I've, I've got a story for you about, and uh, this is something that actually came, reared its head recently. Uh, it started five years ago. It was my first year. It was my first semester. Oh, fuck. It was my first semester at Liberty University. And uh, I, I love my school. It's in the news for a lot of things. I'm not going to get into that. But this is one thing I wish it would get into. Um, in October of 2015, I went to a, a Halloween party where, ironically, this is the first time I met my girlfriend. Uh, we met there for the first time, and after that, she wouldn't leave me alone. Long story short, and uh, five years later, we're, we're still together. But at the par- at the house we went to, this is this was the weird thing. Uh, a few of my roommates invited me because they knew somebody that invited them. And it, the way it worked was, it wasn't going to be like a large party, but it was going to be an off campus party, and it was a lot of people from our dorm. And I I just I don't like going to someone's house if I don't know who they are. And the weird thing about the situation was nobody really knew who owned the house and uh, later on I'm, I'm just doing a little bit of sleuthing and i find out it's owned by these two pastors kids uh this this one missionary couple owns the house and their adult children live there uh one was a youth pastor and the other one was another liberty university student and mm-hmm. everything just seemed kind of odd like no one really knew who started the invites no one really knew the brothers and it was like it was still a fun party but there was like this awkward like okay who who invited who who invited who who invited who type of thing going on it, it was just a bit too odd um, com- compared to most, you know, co- college parties you'd go to. And, uh, you know, I, I met, I met the guy, uh, the older brother, he was, he was just, I thought he was socially awkward. 
uh, I noticed he had like this, this really, you know, he, he had this girlfriend, I think they'd been growing out for a, a few months and she was absolutely head over heels for him, but he had absolutely no interest in her. And I'm like, unless there's something sure. going on behind the scenes, I'm like, he's a, you know, he's an objectively good looking fella. And she's, you know, she's not bad to look at either. And I just like the whole thing just felt odd. So, um, three months later, I go online and my, my now girlfriend goes ahead and she sends me a message over Facebook and it's a headline to a local news story. That guy, that, that youth pastor who owned the house where we had that Halloween party had been arrested for attempted child molestation and solicitation of a minor. And what's worse is that as the investigation started finding out more shit about this, and he had been basically grooming young girls in his youth group through Snapchat. I hate Snapchat. Um, he apparently something happened and somebody basically caught him. And what did the church do? The pastor gave him a strong lecture and told him to repent and told him not to, not to do that again. Wow. Now I understand within the Christian community and I mean, this is not Catholic. So, I mean, the the jokes write themselves on that, but I understand like sometimes you can kind of do that, but when you're dealing with people within your own flock, so to speak, that's one of those situations that deserves a call from the police and forgiveness later. It's not forgiveness later. And then you call the police because if you're a grown ass adult and you're preying on children, you were you that, that I'm sorry. A lot of stuff had to happen before you acted upon that. And now he is going to be released in the Commonwealth of Virginia next month. Yeah, this is what's going on. And, and this is the problem. Six offenders. If you ever look at what they get hit with, the charges with the sentence, it's shocking. Somebody could rape a child and serve less times than somebody got for, for drugs. Like, what? It's sickening. You ever look through? You look at some of the, some of the, what they've gotten sentenced for. It, it's mind boggling. Oh, there sickening. there was that kid. There was that kid in New York. I, I remember he was sent to Rikers. Uh, he got hit with a mandatory minimum sentencing law for uh, I think you know having having a fucking pot plant in his apartment. He was 17 and he ended up spending like 20 years in Rikers. And then when somebody finally reopened his case and found that they could potentially get him out, the dude just got tired of it all and he killed himself in his cell. My God. It's like, this is a person who could have lived his entire life. I mean, he was, he was, he was a minor still legally. He could have done literally anything else. And I'm not of the mind that, you know, I, I, I never agreed with Jeff Sessions when he was like, well, good people don't do pot. It's like, well, that's fucking stupid. But at the same time, it's like he had no criminal record. He just got caught at the wrong place at the wrong time. He made a mistake. He should have gotten punished for breaking the law. Of course, I believe that. But the way that they just completely threw the book on him to make an example of him, like it, it's one of those situations where it was like, that man was never getting out. Yet this yes, fucker was preying on children, was caught once, and then was caught a second time. And he's getting out within five years. Yeah, no, I did. There's people who've raped children and only got a couple of years. That's that's the stuff that happens. And I and that's part of, you know, why I really wanted to do this march. I, I think we need to call attention to horrible issues like that. You know, I got a kid. Um, most of the people coming to this march are, are families, you know, people with kids. 
uh, because they care. You know, what what does people care most about in their lives? They care most about their children and they would do anything for their children. And to know that there's so many evil people out there, that there's a whole business of trafficking kids, uh, using kids for sex, that there's there's pedophiles uh, grooming and preying on children. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm also thinking past this. I'm like, what else can we do, man? We got to, one, we got to educate our kids. Like, like parents have to know how to teach these kids, know, you know, to stand up for themselves in any situation, to be able to be strong enough to say no to people, to, uh, you know, to, you know, when an adult says, they, you know, to them to keep a secret, no, that's a really bad thing. And you do not keep secrets with adults, especially ones that aren't your parents, right? You know, so, you know, even but you know, they have to understand if a parent does something to you, a family member does something to you, you need to be able to speak about that too. So it's just a really complex thing. I'm trying to figure out how to do more after, um, you know, and, but but I want to keep working on this, man, exposing pedophiles, calling them out, you know, freak, we got to get to, you know, to the courts, to the government, and we need harsher sentences for people because they cannot be getting out of jail. You know, people can't get busted for pot and get a longer sentence than a child molester or a rapist. Like, <sighs> but I, I get second, <laughs> Asbury Park, New Jersey, I will be doing a march. I think we're going to have like a really great showing. The support has been really great so far. I got people like, call, you know, they call me like, hey, you're doing the march, you know. I want to bring my, my kids to it. You know, is it going to be family friendly? I'm like, of course, you know, they're like, I don't want them to get tra traumatized. We're not going into detail about stuff. <laughs> you know, we're going to, we're going to bring awareness to it. The, they'll learn that there are bad people in the world, but you know, it, that's okay. They should know that. Um, they should know how to stand up for themselves. And I, I think it's going to be a really great event. Uh, and it's something I, I literally just saw it and I was like, yo, I'm going to do one. And I, <laughs> I, I just put it together. This is a total grassroots thing. There's no organization. Um, it's just like, I want to do one and boom, I just make up a flyer, contact some people and start promoting it and people are going to show. Yeah. And folks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and post all the information, in the show notes of this episode. So you can go ahead and find everything in the show notes after this, if you want to get involved in either the, in either the one in Asbury park in New Jersey, or maybe one in your area. So I'll go ahead and help you get linked up with that. Um, kind of, kind of, kind of stepping back, you know, when looking at the the sentences that these people get, I, I get the, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a political chupacabra, man. I'm kind of all over the place on things. My, my <laughs> philosophy has always gone to like, uh, you know, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. And as long as you're not intruding on the rights of somebody else, let them live their lives. Um, you know, my, my biggest thing of prison reform is like, if we're going to put somebody in a cage, they should be people who shouldn't get out. Yes. I mean, when, when we look at a lot of the reasons why people are going to jail, when we look at, you know, the, the fact that we're the second most, you know, incarcerated population in the world, second only to Russia, um, it, it, it says a lot. And people go to jail for a lot of things. And do I believe that if you commit a crime, you deserve punishment? Yes, I think any any anybody will admit that. And I mean, I have I have friends who are um, convicted felons. And when I say that people get, you know, they get nervous. It's like, you, you associate with felons. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> when, when I, when I met them, certainly that's not the first thing that, you know, comes up in conversation. It's like, Hey man, what, what do you do for the, you know, for fun on the weekends? By the way, I'm a foreigner felon. It's like that, that doesn't come up, but it's like, you know, th these are people and most of the time they've served their time and they, they, they get, 
I mean, if, if we're, if, you know, coming from a religious background, it's like, how long do you have to live with something like that until you're allowed to have your dignity back? And, you know, for a lot of my friends, um, you know, one, uh, <laughs> this was actually like the first full interview of of my new show. This show, uh, my my friend Tim, he he got drunk one night and broke into a museum and stole Alexander Hamilton's dueling pistols. And he got uh, ironically, like he didn't get hit on like breaking, ironing, and theft. He got hit on a, a weapons trafficking violation because he took some. Oh of my God. It, was, it was actually like it's 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 funny thinking about it, but like he spent like seven years in prison for that because they wanted to throw the book on him and he was a, because he got drunk and stupid and yeah, he got, he got drunk did something and, as a joke. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he was, he was 18 when he did it. So immediately it's like his first real running with the cops is going to be the one that completely fucks up his life. And like years later, he he's still dealing with it. And now he's really still trying to build his life up. I have a friend who was, um, I mean, he was addicted to drugs was incredibly addicted to everything. I mean, he he read he read me a laundry list of shit that he was addicted to. And now he has two master's degrees. He's working on a PhD. He has a family of like a whole bunch of kids and he's running for public office in Iowa. Oh, well. And he's an amazing human being. Just because somebody's a felon doesn't mean that they should have to walk around with a scarlet letter you know, yes. branded to their forehead for the rest of their life. But at the same time, it's like, there's a difference between people that, you know, we can integrate back into society and help them build their lives back up because there, there has to be some obligation. You can't just kick people out of prison and say, good luck. I mean, that's why the recidivism rate is so big. Um, like one out of two people that's released from prison within the first month will end up coming back somehow. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's this constant revolving door. So there has to be some societal obligation at either the public or private level to help these people try and get the ability to become independent and take control over their own lives after prison. But when it comes to pedophiles, when it comes to rapists, when it comes to murderers, man, I am freaking draconian. I don't yeah. care where we put them as long as they don't get out. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you, man. It's, it's, it, we've been too lenient. We are too lenient. And it's just like, we're talking about our kids here. Like, why, why are these things getting these short sentences? Like, I, I don't understand it. There needs to be some push to, to change that, to, to get really like serious, mandatory, uh, you know, sentences for a lot of these crimes. Uh, something's got to happen. Something's got to give because it, it can't continue like this. And I just don't get it. And I'm not, you know, is that meanwhile, in one way, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, kill all pedophiles. But you see that <laughs> online, right, all the time. But, you know, it's, it's a, you know, people post it all the time, kill the pedophiles, this, that. It's like, listen. Yeah, I saw somebody say the only good place for a pedophile is a wood chipper. And I'm like, okay, like, I, I get it. It's 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 dark humor. I, I say inappropriate shit. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you feel that much to say you're willing to throw somebody in a wood chipper, I hope you would at least, like, I don't know maybe do something a little bit more publicly about it. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it's, you got all these people like, yeah, you know, kill the pedophile, this, that, or like, you know, you know, like, you know, it'll, uh, what was it? What was it popular when I'm seeing now? Oh, if you hang all the pedophiles from trees uh, today, they would make really good decorations for Halloween in October. Um, you know, oh, it, that is funny, <laughs> but listen, it, like, it's funny, but like, it, you know, people act all hardcore. So it's like, but you're not going to do anything. Like, like, it's nice to say, like, I understand the sentiment, um, but let's all start actually getting real about what we can do. And 
I, I think it's not an easy thing because because <laughs> you got to get involved with the government in some way, shape, or form. You got to petition. You got to do this. You know, or, um, or these even rallies. Or even I mean, even I mean, I I I totally agree. We you know get involved with the with the legal process. Do that, but even just I mean, your your life is an example of somebody where it's like if you saw a problem, go try and fix it yourself. And even if you fail, at least you say you did something. We live in a society of people that don't do anything. I know. Uh, a lot of people want to talk and not do anything. Um, the, I think these rallies are a good start because all you got to do is show up and, you know, care about the cause right now. But I, I think it's, it's, it's hard where you got to take it past it. Like I said, man, we got to fight for harsher sentences. Uh, you know, I think simple stuff like, you know, like, like people can do it's, it's absolutely awful and it might destroy your soul, but like, you know, creating fake profiles and exposing <laughs> pedophiles and, you know, doing things like that do make a difference. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's not easy. Educating children, I, I think is, is, is big because kids don't know what to do in a situation like that. And it's I, I really think, I think just basic diligence alone. I mean, asking people just to be a little bit more cautious. Like, you know, my, my biggest thing is Snapchat. How many, how, how many problems has Snapchat brought into the world in terms of children getting preyed on by people because they have an app that's going to go ahead and, you know, try and cover up culpability? Like stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, maybe my kid isn't ready for social media. Or, uh, you know, my this this relationship I'm seeing between my child and this much older person is kind of bothering me. Yeah. Even in the even in the case of that if of that youth pastor who's going to and it boils my blood to say it, he's going to be released any day now. The fact that the pastor of that church, and I'm not going to shame them. I'm not going to go ahead and say the church's name one, because I may have actually forgotten, but um, <laughs> also because it's like, you know, they, they have to live with the shame knowing that their entire church is not going to be known as the one where they have the youth pastor that was preying on little girls. Mm-hmm. It's like in that moment, you know, I, I, I totally believe in forgiveness. I totally believe in second chances, but there are just some things where it's like, okay, let, let's say if he had killed somebody and you learn that he killed someone, it's like, all right, man, you know, that was wrong, but we're going to help you hide the body. There was almost no care for the victim in that case. That Ew. child, that child stayed in the same group. There was no separation. Nothing was done. It was just completely swept under the rug. And I can't tell whether it was because of stupidity or because they they wanted to pretend it wasn't happening, and I think that's even more malicious. I think I think the pastor in that case should have been arrested. Well, look at the Catholic Church. You know, um, it's all, all the Catholic jokes write themselves. It's 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 crazy the things that have happened and gone on. And you know, it's funny sometimes. Uh, once in a while, it's like if you could fight anybody, who would you fight, Chris? I go probably the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Because let's be real, this is a guy <laughs> who's the head of a church who's protecting people who hurt children. So I, I'd fight the Pope, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, is there is there is there a person who you would fight? You can think of right now. I mean, now I'm trying to think. It's like if I say anyone that's lesser than the Pope, it's not going to be as as cool or as wild. <laughs> Ah, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it gets um, it gets it gets real into like the more moral ambiguity side of things. I I've been out of journalism already three weeks now. And I've already noticed that my blood pressure has gone down, 
and the uh, people of nose have been a little bit more chipper and they're like why and i'm like well it's because i'm not having to watch tv all day and um so what do you mean you're out of journalism i i have, I have a new job all right all right i i got a on the spot offer on a saturday to start a new job for a, a really cool role for a, a role for a tech startup on Monday, and I've been doing it for three weeks. And uh, you know, it's 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 in a it's in a field that I really enjoy. And I mean, I might get into journalism again one day, but I felt like this was a good natural progression. But I, I can also tell you that being in in full time media. It was one of those situations where it's like you're just watching constant rage bait all day long and just people who just and I, I, I cut my teeth in commentary. So I don't I don't try and criticize commentators too much, but you have a lot of armchair quarterbacking. And not enough people actually doing anything. Like, I, I just think it's kind of sick that we have people online who are famous just for throwing bombs at each other. And it's like, what the fuck have you actually done? Like, what, what do you actually do to impact the world in a positive way? They don't. And they, they, they don't. And that, that just really that, that just really sickened me. And it, it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, I, I hate it when people are like, oh, it's, it's all this person's. F-. OK, well, uh, here, here's an example. It's like with, with what's going on with social media. Um, I don't like Jack Dorsey at Twitter. I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. I have no problem saying that publicly, um, but I don't like them for different reasons than why most people don't like them. Uh, you know, the, the average argument, it's like, oh, they're, they're censoring me. It's like, are, are they really censoring you, uh, Trump lover, MAGA69 on Twitter and your five fans? <laughs> I don't think you're being shadow banned. I really, really highly doubt that. I had, I had a woman one time. Uh, okay, so we put up a poll. I was, I was in charge of the Washington Times Twitter accounts, and we put up a poll. And I had to take the poll down because there was a typo. And it's a Twitter poll. It means nothing. I put those up. Here, here's a little trade secret, folks. If you see if you see a publisher or a news company put up a Twitter poll, it's not because they're actually trying to collect scientific data. It's because they're trying to drive up their impression. So that way you'll actually click on some of their other shit. But yes. I, I put up a poll like, who do you think will win, Biden or Trump? And I misspelled something in one of the hashtags. It was it was Uh-oh. really embarrassing. So I took down the poll within five minutes. Within five minutes, some grandma from Texas with like 70,000 followers <laughs> starts telling people the fake news Washington Times is attacking President Trump by silencing your voice. And I'm like, oh shit. And she started- They get like 5,000 retweets. Oh my God, it was insane. So we start getting all this hate mail, like you're fake news, you're you're doing this. I mean, the messages were crazy, but then that woman went ahead and messaged me and was like, hey, why'd you take it down? Will you put it back up? And I said, well, there was a typo. I didn't do it maliciously. I didn't think it was worth putting back up because it was only up for five minutes and 20 people saw it. So she asked me, well, can you please put it back up if you know what the typo was? And I was like, Sure, whatever. If you're going to retweet it, of course I'm going to say yes to free attention. I'd be stupid not to. So I want to. I go ahead and put it up, and then they're like, "Haha, we forced." It, it, it turns from this conversation of, "Can you please put up my Twitter poll?" to, "Ah, we forced the fake news media to listen yep. to the truth, America." And she, I, I, I send her the thing. She retweets it. You know, you know who wins those polls? I win those polls because I get the impressions. I get what I need. Doesn't matter who yeah. wins the poll. I win the poll. 
And, um, you know, she, she messages me back after I say, okay, here's the link. Thank you. Have a good day. And she's like, thank you so much for doing this. You know, it's hard being a Trumper on Jack Dorsey's Twitter. Now I know what it feels like to be a Jew in the Holocaust. Oh my God. I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down and I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Wow. He did not just say that. So, yes, do I believe that Jack Dorsey is a bad person and Twitter is an evil platform? Do I say that about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook? Yeah. But we have to remember, if people hated it so much, they wouldn't be on there. And they wouldn't be arguing about their data being stolen and their info being mined and sold to Cambridge Analytica and China and all that other shit. Because at the end of the day, also, nobody ever reads terms of service. It's not my fault. It's not really Mark Zuckerberg's fault that people didn't read the terms of service. So I dislike them for reasons that are contrary to the reasons why a majority of anti-Facebook, anti-Twitter people will say they dislike them. Because when you listen to their complaints, it's almost always self-inflicted. And we, we we like to create our own outrage. And it's like situations like this. It's like here you have people that are organizing at the grassroots level to talk about something in an age where everyone wants to talk about literally anything else. And they're doing it because they're passionate about it. I don't want to see people go ahead and say, oh, well, I would, but I've got all these other excuses. It's like if you actually cared, you would find a way. And sometimes there aren't ways but that doesn't mean you just don't get involved at all. That means you find another way to get involved. And we're, we're living in a world now where I don't think this is new to mankind. I don't think this is new to anybody. But if there was ever a way to make change in the most simple of ways, it's got to be more than sharing a post on Facebook or making your profile picture black. It has to come down to actual action to impact the lives of others. You know, it's funny. That's something I talk about all the time. It's like, it's well, yeah, I, I stole it from you. I'm going <laughs> to copyright that saying too. But I made a post about that. And man, people were angry about it. Like people were angry because I guess this is the thing in this modern age. It's so weird. Somebody says something and I like, it wasn't really has anything to do with these people that got offended by it. This is like, somebody I know had been like attacked by people for like their politics. And they basically, because they don't like their politics, they set out to destroy their life. Well, I know, but (laughs) people set out to like destroy people's lives over a difference in politics. Oh yeah. It's like you said something I don't like online. I'm going to make sure you lose your job and your spouse loses their job and you run out of your neighborhood. Yeah. When stuff like that happens, it's like, this is, this is, this is the, this is the mentality of the mob. And they think they're doing something just and right. And um, these people like consider themselves activists by like sharing things online. And like when somebody says something they disagree with, calling them all types of names and trying to, you know, cancel them, you know, um, that's the type of stuff that goes on. And I was just, I was just like angry about that type of mentality. So I make a post like, Hey, like if you want to go outside you know, why don't you actually, you know, you'll be an activist or, you want to do something good, why don't you actually step outside your house and do something to help people? And it was like a picture of me helping somebody with their wheelchair, you know, going upstairs. 
Um, <laughs> you know, and then like a couple people got really angry. It's like, oh, you can be an activist by sharing information online. Wrong. It's like, don't listen to this guy. Everything <laughs> happens on the internet. And I'm like, I'm like, you people like, I'm not talking about any of you people. Like they don't understand. My life is weird, man. And I've been with a have, lot of weird people. Oh, and it's have horrible. You ever, have you ever seen, it is a dumb question. Have you ever seen the matrix? Of course. Have you ever wondered whether or not the machines put people in those pods or if people walked into them willingly? Well, actually, no, I have not. There, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to sleep tonight. Now you're going to be thinking about that for a long ass time. And then you're going to ask somebody that question and then they're not going to be able to sleep or stop thinking about it. You just red pilled me. Oh my God. Uh, Chris, this has been an awesome show. I'm going to have everything in the show notes. This is going to come out this Wednesday. So a few days before. Oh, good. So people can prepare for it. If uh, people want to connect with you, find all your misadventures in real life and online, how can they do so? Just look up Dark Guardian. Um, you can add superhero in there probably. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I think it's Dark Guardian SH. I think the same thing on Twitter, the same thing on Instagram. So Dark Guardian SH. You could probably find me on most social media. Google me. You'll find me somewhere. I'm, I'm a crazy guy. and a lot of crazy stuff and um, doing some new things. So it's, it's, it's good. It's interesting, but I'm still doing a lot of the same, but in very different ways. And Hopefully people join along. I'm hoping to help people just better their personal lives um, and make the community a little better, you know, as, as part of it as well. Absolutely. So folks, you heard the man. If you want to change the world, change yourself, change the lives of those around you. As always, I'm Remso W. Martinez. Find me everywhere at Hey Remso on Parler at Remso. I'm the only Remso there. If you ever see Remso 2 pop up, message them and call them a loser. As always, is on the run the We Are Libertarians Network. Good night. Be good. Bye, bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.